Christ is risen. risen Amen. Jesus' rising from the dead is truly the central focal point of Christianity and has been ever since that first Resurrection Sunday. But as Robert mentioned, we've been through so much this past year. And it feels like we're just now beginning to get back to life. I, I talked with someone today that is uh, uh, ha- had purchased a dress to wear for Easter last year and uh, has not been able to wear it because now, finally, we are at a point where we're starting to get together again. But we're not quite there yet, are we? We're still wearing masks. We're still needing to distance. We don't share uh, the cup and the bread in the in the same way. It's like this morning between 630 and a quarter till seven, you could just barely make out that the total darkness of the night was starting to recede and the light was beginning to come. We're kind of in that pre-dawn state. And it's interesting that the text for today comes from Luke chapter 24. And the story picks up in a pre-dawn darkness on Sunday morning, some 2,000 plus years ago. On Friday, what we call Good Friday, which seems like an oxymoron, it was the day that Jesus was executed. But on Friday, the beaten and lifeless body of Jesus was placed in a new tomb that had been carved out of some stone and rock. The, the final verses of chapter 23 tell us that as his body was taken away, the women from Galilee, the ones that had been following him since Galilee, that we read about in Luke chapter 8, that those women followed and saw the tomb where his body was placed, and then they went home and prepared the spices and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time they were finished with their preparations, the Sabbath had begun. And so, as required by law, they weren't able to go to the tomb. Saturday, the women and all the disciples mourned Jesus' death in darkness, distanced. And Sunday morning, before the sun even came up, they were so anxious to prepare his body the way that they wanted to with love and concern that they headed out early. As soon as it was legally possible for them to do so. Now, they didn't go to the tomb saying to themselves, well, we've got these anointments, but we've got these ointments, but we're not going to need them because he's not going to be there. He said he was going to rise and surely he has done that. They went to the tomb fully expecting to find Jesus's body. The surprise, however, was not that the tomb had been broken into, that grave robbers, as happened in ancient days, had taken the valuables that were placed with the deceased. Their surprise was different. As we read Luke chapter 24, 1 through 12, I want you to listen or look for what's missing. What's not in this story that we would hope to experience on 
a resurrection Sunday. Luke 24, verse 1. Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. They'll later be identified as angels. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. The men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Following Robert's words, remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. Verse 11. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. I, I can't imagine that there would very, be very many people either here present today or, or listening in on Facebook, watching on Facebook, that have never heard this story before. It's a story we're very familiar with, um, especially within our fellowship. It's a story of which we're reminded every Sunday as we share the bread and we share the cup. But, but it's a truly amazing story. Christ has risen. But, but, but if that's all the story does is amaze us, then, then we've missed the point. Luke wants to highlight two different reactions to the reality of the empty tomb. The women, once they realize and they remember, they run back and tell everyone this amazing news. They weren't told to in this rendition in the Gospel of Luke. They did so because they were motivated by this amazing news to act. But did you notice what Peter did? Peter was still working it through in his own mind. He was still thinking about it. And he didn't go and tell anybody yet. He went home and thought about it and wondered. The difference between the two reactions hinges on action. The good news, the gospel of Jesus, his life, his teachings, his death, his resurrection is not something just to be observed or learned. To be sure, that's where we start. The women had to be convinced of the realities, but once convinced, we cannot stay at the informed and amazed stage of our faith. As followers of Jesus, we are moved beyond amazement to action. The good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, is to be announced and also lived. And, and I think the angel's questions, question to the ladies, to the women, can help us move past this informed and amazed stage. 
Their question is really pretty profound. I don't know if you've spent much time thinking about it. I have this last week more than I would normally. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are you looking in a place that is a dead end, literally, for something that will give you life? And it makes me wonder, are there aspects of my life, of our lives, that are not life-giving? They're dead ends, but we just don't want to let it go. These women went to the tomb with the understanding that there would be a dead body. They went with the idea that their Messiah had died, something that was beyond belief, but they had finally come to grips with that reality, seeing him being tortured, seeing him being uh, uh, nailed to the cross, seeing him in that broken state, that lifeless body with legs not broken, but with his side pierced, led them to the horrible conclusion that Jesus was dead. You know, I wonder if there are principles that we've grown up with that have helped form our existence and who we are, things that we hold near and dear. But now in our maturity and our development and our stage of life that we're in, we realize that's death. That's a dead end. That isn't life or life giving. In verse 11, Luke tells us that the women's story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe them. The, the Greek word translated nonsense is also used in a medical context of fe the feverish ramblings of a delirious patient. It's kind of like those YouTube videos where you where where they take a, a, a video of someone after they've had uh, um, uh, dental surgery and they're still high on the drugs and they're in the car and they're just babbling and rambling and talking pure nonsense. It's funny. But there was no one laughing on that Sunday morning. The women, the, the disciples dismissed the women's story as insane babbling. The women said Christ is risen. That would have been a nice response by his disciples. What did they say? <laughs> what a bunch of loonies. You see, they had been formed by their culture to believe that women's testimony doesn't count. Women can't be trusted. Josephus, a first century historian, Jewish historian, tells us, that the testimony of women was not accepted in a legal context. Times have changed, but some things haven't. When a woman today says that she was sexually accosted or abused, more times than not, she is not believed. It often takes multiple women stating the same thing over and over to finally convince us that that first woman was telling the truth. It's happened so many times. Now, to be fair, renowned psychologist and abuse expert Diane Landberg points out that studying all these issues and these women, the rates of false accusation run between 3 and 9 percent. 
So sometimes the stories are inaccurate, three to nine percent. That means 97 to 91 percent of the time women are telling the truth. Believe women. Women come forward with testimony and they're pushed to the side, much as these women were. It's time we stop holding on to what we think are life-giving principles when they're truly death. Think about our ideas that we grew up with about ethnicities and superiority. Many of us grew up thinking that certain nationalities, skin pigmentations, accents, passports were better than others. If you looked a certain way or talked a certain way, you were an inferior human being. We grew up with that. I think God would ask us, the angels would ask us today, why are you looking for life among dead principles? Think about our own past regrets, things we've done and things people have done to us. How hard is it for us to realize those hurts, nurturing those hurts, nursing those hurts are a dead end? Now, that doesn't mean that we have to embrace our abuser. But what it does mean is that the longer we nurse that hurt in our heart, the longer we are seeking life from something that cannot give us life. The longer we beat ourselves up for bad decisions, the longer we don't allow God's forgiveness to move past those hurts and move past those horrible decisions we might have made, we can begin experiencing the life that comes with Jesus' resurrection. Where am I looking for life in the midst of death? Think about what gets you the most excited, the happiest. If you were uh, 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 um, a Gonzaga fan last night, I don't know what time the game was. I didn't stay up. I watched it on, on, on YouTube this morning. That's what gives you life. That energizes. If the Dolphins win, if the Marlins win, if the Heat win, that does not give life. It gives euphoria for a moment, but that is not life-giving, and it is not life-transforming. How many of the things we celebrate in our lives truly give us life? I, I think one of the greatest tools the devil uses is to convince us that that's all there is. You better grab it while you can because there's nothing else. It's interesting. Again, Robert might have been looking over my shoulder at my notes. We never read in Scripture of anyone ever making a pilgrimage to the empty tomb. <laughs> they didn't go back there. And if they did, the angels might have come down and said, what are you doing? Why are you looking for the living among the place the dead hang out? What is it in our life that we've realized is giving us death and yet it's just hard to let go? Did you notice what was missing in this reading for today, the, the, the text that was assigned. 
It was actually who was missing. Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, doesn't show up in this text. He shows up later on the road to Emmaus. He shows up later in other vers- uh, in other Gospels and, and in Paul. The women believed without ever seeing the resurrected Jesus. That's kind of like where you and I live. We're asked to believe in a resurrected Jesus that we have never seen with our very eyes. But through the work of the Holy Spirit, our interaction with Scripture, as we remember and go back and read, we're convinced that, yes, it happened. But you might be a little like Peter. You've heard the story. You've thought about it. You're still thinking, still wondering. Let me just encourage you to lean into that doubt. Keep in mind this word from the angels to remember. Go back through the Gospels and think and look at everything Jesus taught and everything he did. Remember his words. That same Jesus who told heartwarming and life-giving stories uh, about a lost sheep and a lost coin and a lost son is the same Jesus who said that he would be killed and who would rise again on the third day. It's the same Jesus. Remember those stories that we love and believe and then believe the rest of the story. Believe the scriptures. Be amazed. And then change your life. Follow him. Put aside the habits and the practices and the dead end uh, uh, situations in your life and long for and look for and follow those that give life. In in the 1800s, Moritz Rausch painted a scene from Goth's play entitled Faust. Uh, Faust was a character from German legends, and he was a highly successful yet extremely dissatisfied person. And, And in this painting, he's playing chess with the devil. And the devil has him cornered and the devil is about to win. And in fact, it looks like there's no hope that all that's left is for Faust to knock his queen over the king over and acquiesce. Through the years, people would go into the gallery, into the Louvre, where it was on display, and and they would see the hopelessness of the situation. They would go away feeling like, yeah, that's my life. (laughs) The devil has me in checkmate, and I have nowhere to go and no way out. Well, one day, a, a great chess master went in, and, and it's kind of hard to see in the painting. You can look it up. It's called The Chess Players uh, uh, it, because the, the pieces are not the kind we use today. They're different pieces. But this chess master looked through what was on the board and he says, wait, it's a lie. Faust still has two moves and he can get out and he can win. But for years, people believed the lie that the devil had us in checkmate. And when Jesus rises from the dead, he stands and looks at our lives and says, don't believe the lie. 
Don't believe the dead end story. Don't look for life and things that cannot give you life. Believe my words. Christ is risen. And because he is raised, we shall also be raised. Because he is raised, our sins can be forgiven. Because he is raised, death is not the final conqueror. Because he is raised, we are not checkmated. Let's go forth and live. Not as checkmated people, but rather men and women of the resurrection.